Hey everybody, Matt Hardman here with another episode of the Race Nerd Podcast here on your home of the plethora of programming that is CKCC Radio. Thank you for tuning in. But before we get into the show, I do want to do something I normally don't do um, before we get to talking about the All-Star Race and Indy 500 qualifying in North Wilkesboro and, wait for it, the return of Wait for it. The pop quiz nose of the week. I do want to do one advertisement, one cheap plug. Um, doesn't benefit me, but benefits all of you. And that is CKCC Radio, which uh, is funded uh, between patrons and uh, CKCC Radio founder Chris O'Mealy. Chris has opened up a CKCC Radio merchandise page on Redbubble, which you can find the link if you go to CKCC Radio on Facebook. You look that up, uh, there'll be a link in the um, in the feed in where you can get a merchandise for CKCC Radio. You get shirts, hats, I believe hats, magnets, stickers, stuff like that. Uh, you can also get a t-shirt of the CKCC radio logo, the CKCC video logo, uh, the Nerd Table logo that features the hosts Chris, Eric, and Dan on it. And you can also get uh, quotes from the show on the shirts. Uh, my particular favorite is my vocabulary is not family friendly. Um, so there, there's many of those. And so much more and more to come soon. Um, <coughs> excuse me. On on CKCC Radio's official Redbubble page. Or you can just go to redbubble.com. Uh, in the search bar, type in CKCC Radio. And it will bring up all the uh, the merch that is for sale. Uh, so I, I, I do ask you to at least check it out. Um, if there's something that really interests you or intrigues you, um, definitely order it. Um, because every, everything like this, it helps keep CKCC Radio not only afloat, but also helps us um, as a channel grow. And I know with fine content like this, or the Nerd Table, or uh, the A-Show, which if you're a wrestling fan, you're definitely going to want to check out. You get your wrestling and your comedy all in one. Um, or Motivational Moves um, with noted author Adrian Cotton. He's not the only noted author on there. It's Jeff Trollitz. He's got his three, four, I don't know. How many shows are you up to now, Jeff? Like seven, eight, 23? Hike? Um, but we got a lot going on there. Um, so definitely check out the Red Bubble page. And if you're interested in being a patron and getting bonus shows, um, you can go to Patreon and, um, search for CKCC Radio and you can do that for the price of a biggie bag at Wendy's. It's only five bucks a month and you get all this great content. I mean, there is tons of content, tons, tons. Um, so you could definitely check that out. Uh, there's bonus shows of this. There's bonus shows of the A Show, um, Nerd Table uh, co-hosts Chris and Dan, 
host a wrestling show on there. Uh, there, there is so much going on on there. Um, I believe Jeff Trollowitz even has a couple of bonus episodes of his shows on there. So it's definitely worth a check out. Uh, that's a lot of an advertisement. So I, I applaud you all for sitting there listening to this. Um, and I did promise a new pop Quiznos. And this pop Quiznos actually was inspired by Kurt Busch's win at um, Kansas last weekend. Or two weekends ago now. Um, as we just went through All-Star Weekend. Um, Kurt was the first driver to win races for Toyota, Dodge, Chevrolet, and Ford in the Cup Series. Who is the only driver in the Cup Series to win poles in all four of those makes? Uh, the answer is at the end of the show. <sighs> Alright, so... We've had a lot of racing this weekend. A lot of craziness, too. Uh, we had craziness on uh, day one of Indy 500 qualifying. And, obviously, if you didn't see NASCAR's all-star race, very controversial finish, which we will get to in a second. Um, we also had the grand opening, grand reopening of... Uh, North Wilkesboro Motor Speedway, which I was very excited for. Um, those of you who listened to the show for a while know I've been beating the drum for North Wilkesboro for many years. And it is one of my favorite tracks and one of the few tracks that I've always wanted to go to but I've never gone to. And now that it's finally getting this resurgence, I am so excited. Um... Indy 500 qualifying at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a track that I have been to um, over 20 years ago for a NASCAR race and an IROC race, but never an IndyCar race. Um, Indy 500 qualifying, there were so many stories going into this. How would Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, do um, on an oval at Indianapolis? How would um, the bright young talents of IndyCar, like Paddle Award and Colton Herta, who won uh, the last uh, IndyCar race uh, prior to Indy 500, the Indy 500, the GMR Grand Prix, how would he fare? How would the Penske Racing Chevrolets fare? And... You know, how would drivers who have been fast all week, how would they fare? You know, drivers like Takuma Sato and Roman Grosjean. Um, after Saturday's qualifying, we would see drivers 13 through 33 lock themselves into the field. Uh, with the top 12 re-qualifying on Saturday, on Sunday, I apologize, uh, to set the field for the 106th Indianapolis 500. Uh, there was a lot of craziness with this, as Colton Herta would lose a motor uh, just before taking his green flag lap for his four laps uh, that would determine his qualifying spot. Um, and uh, Marco Andretti, his semi-teammate in the 98 car of Brian Herta racing Colton's father uh, in 
an alliance with Andretti Autosport, would um, would withdraw his qualifying time uh, due to not only having a motor issue, but also due to coming up to speed during his heading to his green flag lap, he would be impeded by two-time Indy 500 winner Takuma Sato, uh, who was still on the track cooling down from his qualifying lap, uh, would disturb Andretti's. Andretti obviously was irate with this, uh, went to the IndyCar stewards um, in their, what they deemed fair is that Marco would get another qualifying run, and they uh, withdrew. Sato didn't withdraw this. Uh, they withdrew um, Sato's qualifying time for that run, which was a big thing because Sato had been fast all um, all the practices, you know, had been top of the leaderboard on a couple of the practices leading up to qualifying. And he had an early qualifying draw, which would see him... Uh, have a speed around 233 miles an hour on a four-lap average. Um, it would be waved off. He would have to re-qualify um, at a slower speed, but still make it into the top 12, along with uh, five of the pen, uh, five of the Chip Ganassi cars of last year's champion Alex Palou, uh, Marcus Erickson, Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time Cup Series champion, Tony Kanaan, who is running probably his final IndyCar race. Um, and uh, obviously, Scott Dixon, multi-time IndyCar Series champion and former Indy 500 winner, along with winning four poles at Indy. Not too shabby a career for uh, Dixon so far. But um, we would see them. We would see a lone Penske car. And that coming with, um, I'm trying to, I'm drawing a blank, not Penske, a lone uh, Andretti Autosport uh, car with um, Roman Grosjean, Sato, uh, for Dale Coyne and Rick Ware Racing. Um, and I'm trying to remember who the others were, but notable names that did not make the field, um, Onto the well, not make the final 12. Our four time Indy 500 champion Helio Castro Neves, uh, Juan Montoya, um, Felix Rosenquist, I believe, made it. So I apologize on that one. Uh, Montoya's teammate, uh, the AJ Foyt cars, and just about all the Penske cars. So, I mean, there were some big names knocked out in that first round. Um, we would go on to round two, which would see Jimmy Johnson starting in the second row. I believe he qualified fifth or sixth. Um, we would see Takuma Sato, who was the fastest in practice, qualify 10th, and Scott Dixon on the pole. Um with a new track qualifying record at around 234 miles an hour. Now that's not the fastest four lap average at Indianapolis. That's still held by R.A. Leyendijk in 1997, who 
after withdrawing his his qualifying speed um, on the first day of qualifying, requalified with a faster speed, did not give him the pole for that race, even though he has the four-lap track record. Did not qualify him on the pole for that race. Um, the old track record was uh, done by Scott Brayton in 1996. Uh, tragically, Brayton would lose his life in practice after that qualifying speed. Uh, so, that would be who would be starting up front at Indianapolis as we head into the 106th Indy 500 uh, this coming weekend, uh, this coming Sunday, actually. Um, and we would see uh, a lot. You know, we're seeing history. Well, we're seeing history. Anytime you watch an Indy 500, you're seeing history. Um, it still is the greatest, most popular and most populated live one-day sporting event throughout the world. It's not the World Cup. It's not the Super Bowl. It's not even the Daytona 500. It's the Indianapolis 500. Uh, especially when Indy is packed and you have that two-and-a-half-mile um, track wall, people-to-people, the, they say the, uh, the city of Speedway, Indiana, grows by about 100,000 people on race weekend. So that gives you any idea how big the Indy 500 is to this day. So, but that wasn't the only racing this weekend. We had uh, the All-Star Race this weekend. We had uh, the trucks competing on Friday night in Texas. Saturday, we would see the Xfinity Series. It's Sunday, it would culminate for a million dollars in the NASCAR Cup Series All-Star Race. Friday night, we would see Stuart Friesen pick up his first career win in, since 2019, where he won a race at Phoenix. It was his third career truck series win. Uh, not bad for a guy uh, from the dirt world and... Uh, Picking up that W, um, he his previous wins were at Eldora and obviously Phoenix. Uh, so so props to him on a, a very very close finish um, that we would see uh, on the Xfinity side in the SRS Distribution 250. We would see we would see Tyler Reddick. Um, pick up the win, the first win for Scott Borchetta and Big Machine Racing. Now, Scott Borchetta um, in Big Machine Racing, you know, obviously uh, they they started off the season with Jade Buford. Uh, Jade is still with the team, but he has pulled out of the car for um, some amount of time as they, as they reassess their options for 2023. Uh, they're trying a bunch of Chevy drivers. Um, in that ride, uh, I know before it was Kaz Growla, now it's Tyler Reddick, uh, who drives the 8 car uh, for Richard Childress Racing on the cup side. But Reddick gives Borchetta and Big Machine Racing their first career win. Um, now I know Scott, Scott, Scott's got his hand in multiple businesses. Not only is he a team owner, he owns the sponsor for the team, um, Big Machine Vodka and their Big Machine Spiked Coolers. 
Um, but he is a former racer himself in the Nashville area. Had actually raced in, I believe it was this NASCAR Southeast Series in the in the late 90s, early 2000s. And he is the owner of Big Machine Records, which is a big-time record label. They had Taylor Swift on with them uh, at one point, I believe. Uh, Tim McGraw is with them. So they're kind of taking a page out of the old Mike Curb handbook um, on that. And and it was really good to see that, um, to see them, because I know uh, Scott and Big Machine have been really involved in promoting NASCAR and promoting uh, racing. They were the sponsor for the Big Machine Vodka 400, the last actual Brickyard 400 um, <coughs> on the Oval before they went to the Cup Series racing on the road course at Indy, um, which I don't know if is much better than the Indy car, uh, than the Oval, but to me, it's all the same. It's still racing at Indy. It's still pretty special. Um, then we move on to Sunday. Uh, Sunday, we would see the Open, where we would have three drivers qualify on their three-lap segments uh, into the open field. Then we would have the big race for a million dollars with that. So this one, it wasn't controversial. It wasn't crazy until the end. Um, in the qualifying, we would see Ricky Stenhouse and Daniel Suarez. And I'm drawing a blank on the on the last driver to make it in on that. Um, give me one second and we'll look that up. Um, but we would basically see Bear with me just one sec. We'd see Eric Jones win the fan vote. Um, I don't remember who the third driver was. Eric Jones won the fan vote. Ricky Stenhouse won the first one. Then um, I don't remember. I'll I'll be honest with you. I don't remember. Um, but we had four drivers advance in into the um, into the All Star shootout for the million dollars. But we would see a lot of insanity in this race. And like I said, at the end was the most insane. Uh, first, we would see Kyle Larson, uh, who started up towards the front on this race. He would blow a tire and rack himself out. Then we would see the Kyle Busch, who was running away, led the first 47 laps from the pole, uh, where he beat out Ryan Blaney. Um, Bush would have a tire go down, and as he was trying to go down the track, 
he would literally be run over by Ross Chastain. Chastain got some air on this as he ran right over the right front of Kyle Busch's car. And in the same wreck, Chase Elliott would go headfirst and driver's side into the outside retaining wall, uh, ending all three of their days. Um, all three drivers walked away. Um, Eric Jones would have a late race caution where he would end up in the grass. Um, then a bogus caution. And this, is, this has been all over, not just social media, but all over the NASCAR chatter was Ryan Blaney, who, like I said, started from the outside pole, uh, was pretty much dominating this race after Kyle Busch would have his issues. A hundred, less than 100 feet from the checkered flag, a caution flag would come out uh, for Ricky Stenhouse in the wall. Now, at the time of the crash, Ricky Stenhouse was running 17th. Uh, only two cars were behind him when he hit the wall on the final lap. Now, normally NASCAR would, after the white flag has been thrown, would call the race. Due to it being the all-star race, they would have to re-rack the field and start all over. Now, with that... <coughs> With the fact that the two cars had easily passed Stenhouse and the proximity Blaney was to the uh, checkered flag, it caused a lot of issues because uh, even NASCAR has owned up to this saying that they jumped the gun on the caution had it been um, towards the middle of the pack or up towards the front. Yes, they would have thrown the caution, but that wasn't the case. Um, Stenhouse was clearly out of the way, not impeding any of the other cars um, when the flag was thrown. Now, Blaney, thinking that this is like any other race, uh, put down his window net and started to celebrate before he was radioed that they would have to um, go to a green-white checker finish. And uh, the problem is, with the window nets, it's nearly impossible for a driver to put it up. So while they were under caution, Blaney was trying to put it up. Um, NASCAR on review uh, did look before they went back to green to see that the window net was in place. It wasn't fully fastened, but in place enough to not penalize Blaney. Um, the flag, Blaney would beat Denny Hamlin to the flag. Uh, Denny, who was irate over this, uh, feeling that Blaney should have been called to pit road to fix the flag. Um, this was just a giant disaster. Um, you know, saying that this was, you know, how could this be safety if um, a, a safety issue, but they don't call it when, if, as the example he used, if he had hit Blaney with, in that window and that not being fully fastened, that there could have been dangerous circumstances. I get the, uh, his thing, but let's put it this way. They weren't going to, Denny wasn't going to win this argument and certainly not win in the court of public opinion, uh, especially if he had won the race due to Ryan being called to pit road. Ryan was not called to pit road, which was a good thing. Um, his win stands, uh, and Ryan Blaney 
uh, picks up a million dollars in his first all-star win. And I know this is, you know, it, it's been all over that. Um, NASCAR did own up to the fact that they, that Scott Miller, the vice president of competition for uh, NASCAR, uh, said, yes, we probably shouldn't have thrown that flag, that the race official for the all-star race jumped the gun on it. And basically, I think they kind of gave Ryan Blaney a freebie because they knew they had screwed up. And thankfully, it, the safety aspect that Denny Hamlin had an issue with um, did not, you know, obviously that did not happen. So uh, we're at that point where we're doing pretty good on that fact. So uh, with that said, I am kind of very, I'm, I'm happy to see Ryan Blaney win, just not... You know, just not with this story, because I think it kind of takes it away. I mean, he was... I, I think he had the car to beat um, over Kyle Busch. Um, had Kyle not had his issues um, with the tire and subsequently being run over by um, Ross Chastain. So, we move on. We move back to Charlotte, where the All-Star Race for many years was held. Um, this is normally a big week in racing. All the race shops are open. Everything's open. There's a lot going on in the Charlotte area where many of the teams are based out of. So, um, we'll, we'll have the three days of racing. The trucks will race on Friday night in the North Carolina Lottery 200. I don't know what the Xfinity race is. It's a 300-miler. Then on Sunday, the same day as the Indianapolis 500, we will see the Coke 600, NASCAR's longest race and one of their crown jewels. Uh, one that I, I've actually been to, to that in 2008, and it seems like a long race, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. It flew by, and it was a good race. Uh, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I actually enjoyed it uh, for the 600 miles. Um, they don't do it everywhere, thankfully, and I think it's cool that they do it at Charlotte on that weekend because it is a special moment in motorsports. Um, you have the Indy 500 uh, in the morning. You used to have the, the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, which, due to COVID, the last couple of years, kind of really screwed that up. Um, and then you would have the Coke 600 in the evening. So you'd have three different crown jewel races in motorsports uh, in their different disciplines on those days. So um, we have that coming up. Uh, we had an open house at North Wilkesboro and... Those of you who know, I'm a huge proponent to North Wilkesboro being up in racing um, as they can as they start racing in July. They will have race races in July. A lot of grassroots racing. They'll be running some modifieds there, and Bobby Labonte will be running the modifieds there um, on the pavement and later in the season on the dirt at North Wilkesboro that they will be putting down as they look towards um, even more renovations in 2023. And I'll be honest with you, the track's not all there. Um, they did a lot of work so far on the track surfacing. It looks good. Uh, the amenities are getting there. Um, but it's just good for people to actually be out and visiting the track. 
uh, for many years. Since 1996, the track's been pretty much locked and gated to keep anybody other than, you know, a certain handful of people to, you know, from going on it, going and seeing the condition it's in. Um, it really was in a sad shape, and now it's getting better, and I'm really excited for it. So, we'll move on. Um, because there's a couple quick things I just want to talk about. Um, M&M Mars will be sponsoring the Mars Appreciation 300 at Pocono Raceway. Um, M&M Mars, which is based right out of nearby Hackettstown, New Jersey. Uh, we'll be sponsoring a race that, is, as I'm sure a lot of you know, um, the company will be leaving NASCAR at the end of the season, ending an almost 30-year um, affiliation with the sport. Uh, starting way off, way back in 1990 with Rick Wilson and the, Stolo and the Stavola brothers, um, and later on Dick Trickle and whatnot. Uh, so they'll be leaving um, after the Phoenix race. Uh, their final race with Kyle Busch. Uh, and it's a little bittersweet, but it, it's nice to know that they're showing uh, their home area um, much love uh, with with this sponsorship. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Phoenix, uh, not Phoenix, uh, Pocono is, a lot of people find it boring, but I, I actually like the track because it is a little bit, little bit different uh, than any of the other tracks that they run on. It's a, it's a three-turn oval instead of the traditional four turns. It's basically a giant triangle with three different, three different, um, three different turns and whatnot. So I'm really excited for that. Um, and uh, the Project 91 that was just announced yesterday by um, Trackhouse Racing. Now, Trackhouse has come into a little bit of success this year with Ross Chastain picking up two wins and, and Daniel Suarez actually being a threat in a number of races. Um, they will be rolling out a third uh, Trackhouse Racing car uh, with an unnamed international drivers throughout select races of the 2022 season. Um, some of the names that have popped up because they haven't announced anything yet and there's no you know no real um names that have been thrown out there um but some of the it's interesting some of the names that have come up um we have kimmy rackadin who uh did race the the finnish f1 driver uh who did race a truck race in nascar for kyle bush many years ago at charlotte his name I've heard kicking around. Um, I've heard Ron Fellows, uh, the Canadian uh, sports car series driver. Um, I've heard some of, some of the Mexican drivers. Um, their names have been thrown out there. Somebody even said Carlos Contreras. I don't really buy into that. Carlos was a former truck series driver for um, Richard Petty Racing in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, but there, there's been many names that have been thrown out there. Uh, I don't know how much stock they have. Um, could possibly even see um, 
Jacques Villeneuve, uh, the former Indy 500 winner, uh, in one of these cars. So it's very interesting, uh, this program. And this just proves the diversity in thinking outside the box that Justin Marks and his crew over at Trackhouse Racing have. And I'm really excited for it. Um, but yeah, we got, we got a full week of racing coming up. Um, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, check out your local tracks. I'm sure they got a lot going on too. Uh, and um, one last bit of business. We do have a Pop Quiznos this week. And this week's Pop Quiznos is... While, Car while Kurt Busch was the first driver to win uh, races with Toyota, Ford, Chevrolet, and Dodge... Who was the first and only pole winner to win to win polls for those four makes? And that is none other than Casey Kane. Now, Casey, I thought, was the first driver to actually pull off the feat that Kurt pulled off. Turns out, Casey, while running for uh, Richard Petty Motorsports um, and the Gillette Everham Petty team... Um, that eventually became Richard Petty Motorsports and later on um, part of Petty GMS, you know, if you really think about their history. Um, he'd won polls, but not won races driving the Ford for them. Uh, he'd won polls in the Dodge driving for Everham, won polls in the Chevrolet driving for Rick Hendrick, and won polls for the now defunct Red Bull Racing Team uh, in his lone year and a half over there um so i you know i thought that was a cool little cool little note and i guess that makes uh kurt being the only driver to do that even more impressive um even adding to his already stellar hall of fame career so until next week where i'm probably going to have still coming off that full racing weekend high um, until next week, I'm Matt Hardman, and I'll see you at the track.